Everything in our culture says we can do it by ourselves. But what if we choose to let our performances die, our dreams die, expand our comfort zones and venture into the depths of the unknown? True peace and freedom comes when we die to self and let Christ live in us. In this series, we'll discover that at the end of me is where real life begins. So prepare your heart for a word from God about what happens when we come to the end of me. Team this morning for bringing it to us. Uh, I mean, I, I love every song they did. Honestly, I could probably preach a message from from all the lyrics, but I particularly like that last one because um, maybe some of you this morning you've come in here and you're feeling like you've got some things going on, some hurts, some habits, some hangups, some marriage problems, some financial problems, and I think that we need to just remember the lyrics to that song. Our debt's paid. Like it's. I mean, you're good. You come in here this morning. You've got a clean slate. And I love that the Bible says His mercies are new every single day. It's you that carries the weight into tomorrow. God's waking up and like, hey, you're good today. We're good. We're good. So um, I, I just I appreciate the worship team and, and all of our volunteers here. Um, yeah, give them a little love. Give them a little love. We couldn't do what we do without them. So uh, this morning, we're in part three of our series called End of Me. And in this series, we've been talking about what, is it, what does it look like to come to the end of my life and let Christ live in me? Because how many of us know that often we're our greatest hindrance for what God wants to do? It's often us. And so I think what we've been looking at is if, if we'll come to the end of me, we'll see that's where real life begins. And I want to, um, I want to ask you a question. Whether you're like a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, part-time employee, full-time, it doesn't matter. Go with me on this. Imagine you show up to work tomorrow. And you walk in and you tell your boss, you know what? I don't really fuck working today. I'm just going to sit back, hang out, watch everybody else, and just chill. How many of you believe you would have a paycheck on Friday if that happened? A lot of times we take that, that sounds crazy, right? Sounds ludicrous that you're going to walk into the mall and tell them, and, and I mean, honestly, you're not going to, you're telling me, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here and watch everybody else work circles around me. That sounds ridiculous. Would we agree? Let me tell you what's really ridiculous is you'll often take that exact same logic to church life. Ooh, you don't like me now, do you? <laughs> I'm not beating you up, but I'm just stating the facts. You oftentimes... You'll come to church, and you'll just sit back. You won't engage in worship. You won't engage in the message. And then you expect your life to be changed. And then you get mad at the church when your life's not being changed. Am I telling the truth? Amen. And so a lot of it, just like work ethic, just like in your marital life and relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, student, what you put in is what you get out. That's a great philosophy and motto and for every aspect of life, but particularly this morning, I'm talking about in the context of, of local church. This morning in part three, we're talking about keep pushing the cart. I want to talk to you about this idea of keep pushing the cart. It's crazy a lot of times, this hopefully will make sense in a little while, but we take this logic of, I'm just going to come to church, and I'm honestly not knocking you because here's the deal. We've already taken up the offering. All right? So I'm not trying to guilt you. We have enough volunteers today to help you get out of here. 
So this isn't about, it's nothing about that. It's just the word of God being proclaimed over you. We're gonna look at what Paul says to the church at Philippi. It's where we get the book of Philippians. And I think it's gonna be very relevant and applicable today. So again, I wanna remind you of making sure that you understand there's a difference between feeling guilt from the preacher and conviction from the Holy Spirit, okay? I'm not trying to guilt you or condemn you or judge you. Um, That's not my job. My job is just to teach the truth and trust that you'll receive it or you won't. It's not really up to me. But I think it's crazy all the times we come to church and like, let me tell you the most funniest people are. It's church people who are the most funny people. Like I was talking to this girl yesterday and I know she has a friend that can sing really good. And I was like, hey, you need to tell your friend to come in here and sing with us. This is what she said. She said, she's not really churchy. And I said, perfect, bring her on. Perfect. Because church people make things complicated, man. They make things complicated. Do you remember, for those of us who are in Christ, if you're here this morning, you're like not really sure what you think about Jesus for the church, you're in a place where it's, that's all good. It's all good. We welcome you here. In fact, we, it's more than a saying, but we'll meet you where you are. And what that means is we're not going to judge you. You don't have to make any decision you don't want to. You can just sit back and look at the rest of us weirdos, okay? But I'm talking for those who are in Christ. Do you remember when you first came to Christ or you received him or you committed to following him, how you were on fire and you didn't know anything about anything? You just know you loved Jesus and he changed your life and that's all that mattered? And then what happened? You got really into church a little bit and you, you got going into some things. And I love the church. I'm sacrificing my life to try to plant this church with you all so that we can make a, an impact where we live, work, and play, not just in this community, but surrounding communities. And we get so complicated in things. And it's like, I mean, I had this, uh, one time I was in Arkansas and I went to this lady's house to do some, some cleanup work. And she was basically what I would call a modern day theologian. She had all these different degrees from all these prestigious uh, schools and um, masters of divinity and just all these different degrees. And I was like, hey, what's the greatest thing you've learned in ministry over 50 years? And she just looked at me and said, son, the greatest thing I've learned is Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And I mean, like, that's what we're trying to get. But see, we're always trying to get somewhere new, but I feel like God wants to just take us back a little bit. We always want to know what's coming next, but sometimes we just need to go back and remember what happened on the cross. And so this morning, I want to talk with you about this idea of keep pushing the cart in the context of a local church. And um, you do know that God's greatest plan to reach the world is through the local church. That's us. If you're here this morning, you're in Christ, that's the church. This is a high school auditorium. The church is meeting in it. We can meet anywhere. Amen. And it's the, greatest, it's the greatest redemptive tool to lead us back to reconciliation through, to Jesus Christ and to God is us. And we have this responsibility. And I, and I was talking with this guy this weekend who um, luckily he doesn't come here. I mean, I wish he did, but he said, um, I'm praying about what church I need to go to. He doesn't live around here. He said, I'm praying about what church I need to go to. And, and maybe you've said this or you know people and they say things like, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. Well, that's ridiculous. And you don't even know what you're saying because you cannot love Jesus and not love his bride. And I've often give this illustration. For example, if you say you like me, but you don't get along with my wife, most likely you don't know me as well as you think you do. Do you feel me? She's my partner. She's my number one. If you and I don't get along, if you and her don't get along, most likely you and I aren't going to get along. Right? So when you say you love Jesus, but you don't like the church, what you're really saying is, I don't think I even know who Jesus is. Basically is what you're telling. And this guy was saying, man, I'm just, 
I love Jesus, but I'm tired of the church, and I get it. I get it, man. You're difficult people to lead sometimes. I get it, but there's this, we are the plan, we are the greatest instrument to reach people, and this is what he said. And maybe many of you are here this morning with this thought, and I've heard it a thousand times, but he said, first off, let me ask you this, and you don't have to answer, but out loud anyway, just in your mind, you can, how many of you know that like Christianity is not a spectator sport? It's not where you just come and sit on the sidelines and you drink a little Gatorade and you get a little praise and worship and you get a little preaching and you fill your cup up and just sit back. That's not what the gospel teaches at all. See, a lot of times our church mentality is we say, I want to come and see, but Jesus teaches you need to come and die. Pick up your cross and follow me. You want to come to church and cling on to your wallet and leave with it. And Jesus is like, hey, you need to come and die. You just want to come and see. It's not a spectator sport. And this guy was like, hey, man, I, I really, you know, I, I, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. And I'm just, I've been going to this one church and I kind of like it all right, but blah, 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 blah. You know, he has an opinion. That's fine. Everybody's entitled to him. He said, I'm just praying for God to give me a sign from heaven on what to do. And I was thinking, man, I get what you're saying when you say that. I get it when we say I'm looking for a sign from heaven, but maybe God's looking for a sign from earth, from you. What are you going to do right now with what he gave you, is what I told him. What are you doing right now with what he's given you? We're all the time looking for something from him, but I can't help but wonder how many times he's looking for something from us. Amen. This morning we're in Philippians chapter 2. Hey, I don't know if we mentioned this. I don't think we did, but if you have a Bible app on your phone, the U version, we put all our uh, scriptures in there. There's a place for you to take a note, so all you have to do is pull up your U version Bible app. It's free download. Uh, you click on more, then events, and you'll, you'll see churches that have them. You'll see City Lights Church. It has all of our scriptures. There's a place you can type in notes there for yourself. Or you can follow along on the screen this morning. Talking about this idea of keep pushing the cart in the context of local church. I love the local church. I love the local church. And we have this great book called Philippians in the New Testament. And the, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church. And what I love about Apostle Paul is there's a number of things, but he was a church planner. Paul would go around to different cities and he would plant churches. Basically what I mean is him and a group of people, they would, they would get together and they would try to start a church and then he would develop a leader and, his, and then God would call him to another city and he would go start another one. And I love that about Paul because I'm a church planner. That's what this church is doing. Our volunteers that wear gray shirts or orange shirts, we're trying to plant this church. We're trying to get rooted into this community. And what he would do then is he would establish these churches, he would go off and do more kingdom work, and then he would write back to them. And we have this great book called Philippians, it's the church at Philippi. We're in the second chapter of Philippians uh, this morning, and I think there's going to be great application, it's certainly going to be relevant to us today. And we're in chapter 2, we're starting at verse 12, and we're not going to get very far into verse 12 before I have to teach a little bit. Philippians 2, chapter 12 says, so then... So then, well, Paul here is starting off with a conjunction. I'm an English major. I'm just kidding. I looked that up. Um, he's starting off with a conjunction. And so when he says, so then, he's referring back to something. So in order for us to proceed, we have to go back. Sometimes in life, you want to move forward, but you got to go back. Right, you got to remember where you came from. You got to remember what Jesus did on the cross. You got to remember what you stepped into your marriage for. You got to remember what you invested in. So to proceed, sometimes we got to go back. So here's what I want to do. I want to read just the first four verses of chapter two to help set up the context of 
our word this morning. Paul is talking about Christian humility and unity in the context of a local church. Then we'll get back to verse 12 and it'll all make sense. So let's go back to verse one in Philippians chapter two. Now, Paul here again, he uses, the, these are called if clauses, okay, where the word says if, you could either put it, replace it with when or since, okay? It's kind of like, it, you know, if my daughter, she's standing on the couch and she, I know she's fixing to jump and I say, if you jump, your butt's getting busted. Like I know she's getting ready to, so basically I'm saying, when you jump, I'm setting your tail on fire. You with me? It's an if clause, is, is what it's called, an if clause. You could either replace it with when or since. So if there, if then there is any encouragement, since then or when, in Christ, listen, in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, listen, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way. Here again, he's painting this picture of unity within the church. Because how many of you know, a lot of times people come to church and they have different ideas about what should happen. Pastors should do this. You should do this kind of music. You shouldn't turn the lights down. It's too loud. Why do you tell me where to park? Why do you tell me where to see? Why do you do it this way? And he's saying, let's just be unified. There's some things that we'll, you know, we can have an opinion on, but there's some things more important. So fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, listen, having the same love that is Christ. This is important. Sharing the same feelings focused on, leave it here, focused on one goal. From day one, I've known that we would be a perfect church. You believe that? I knew we would not be perfect because I know who the pastor is. But I've been focused on this one goal, and that is reaching people for him. It is helping those who are wrapped in the cultural Christian mindset, meaning you think you're a Christian because you prayed some prayer, or you got baptized when you were little, or your daddy was a deacon, or your papa was a preacher. Praise God if you come from a people in ministry. But what I want you to know is that being a Christ follower is more about it, it's less about making a decision than it is, it's really about making a commitment. And so what we're focused on here is reaching people who need Jesus. If you don't need Jesus, this church is not gonna be a good fit for you. It's just not. Now, if you're here and you're like, dude, you said I was cool if I don't believe in him. That's all right, you are welcome here. But what I'm saying is we're looking for those people who are screwed up, jacked up, messed up. Anybody need Jesus in here this morning? I certainly do. I certainly do. And so Paul's saying, hey, can we just rally around this, focus on this one thing that matters the most? That's Jesus and sharing this love. And let's just be agreeing that, hey, okay, did you know it's absolutely okay if you come here and our worship team does a song that you don't like? That's absolutely okay. It really is. Did you know it's absolutely okay if you come here and I preach something that you don't agree with? You're probably wrong, but it's okay. That's okay. As long as we understand where we're going. For example, let me give you some really silly stuff that's happening. Not in this church. But a lot of times people, they want to know like what translation I preach from. Or what translation of the Bible should I read? Honestly, I don't really think it matters as long as you're reading the Bible. I just, that's just what I believe. You can't confine God to one translation. You can't. None of them is more holy. I can promise you that Aaron and Moses were not carrying the King James Version when they were walking, okay? 
But if you like that, thou is fineth if you readeth that. <laughs> Some of the first memory scriptures that I quote, I learned how to quote from memory were King James. It doesn't matter. Like, we're not going to argue about that here. You can go on down to the next church and argue about that. Now, if you want to argue, did Jesus die on the cross to forgive the sins of the world? Yeah, you better believe I'll argue about that. Or should we be doing hymnals? We're not going to fight that fight, but when when did we do that hymnal? Two weeks ago? If you weren't here two weeks ago, you missed it. We did one. So if you come a little bit more often, you might hear something. But we're just not going to argue about silly things like that. Let's be focused on one goal, reaching people. And let me, let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. Short of sin, we will do whatever it takes to reach people. And if you want to know exactly how we're going to do that, then you need to be there May 22nd at 6 p.m. Amen. You just do. If not... Well, we're going to start making some little small changes, getting directs, and you're going back to church, change. It's not, buddy, it's, that's, not, that's not why I came to that church. It's changed. No, nothing's changed. We're just getting really focused. You need to be there. You need to be there focusing on one goal. Verse three. Listen, he says, do nothing out of uh, rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Wow, what a great piece of advice for a bunch of church people. Listen, if you don't even believe in Jesus, this is great to live by. This is great advice to consider others more important than yourself. Do you know that when you serve people, you become like Christ? According to Mark 10 to 45, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And so there's something about serving when you consider other people more important. And then verse four, listen, he says, everyone, everyone, those who are mature in the faith, those who are new to the faith, those who have a lot of money in their bank account, those who have very little, those who have no idea about the Bible, those who could quote it from front to back. Everyone should look out not only for his or her own interest, but also for the interest of others. What would happen if we begin to live in this context of our church and we were selfless? Not saying that we're not, it's kind of an if clause. Like, what if we started living that way? Like, what if... What if instead of coming in on a Sunday and not speaking with anybody and then getting mad that nobody talked to you, that you just said, hey, to somebody, and you, you, sparked, you sparked up a conversation? What if we didn't look out just for our interests, but the interest of others? I can tell you right now, That is the picture of the gospel because our God is a God who's full of compassion and when he saw people in need, he would do whatever he could to reach that. Do you know someone that's hurting in here? Why don't you pick up the phone call? Or Lord, you know this is true. Send them a message on Facebook. That's a legitimate way to communicate with people these days. Like do something about it. Do something about it. So what we see then is Paul is speaking in the context of Christian humility and unity. So in verse 12, when we said, so then, as he's getting ready to go forward, we understand then what he's talking about because he started out with the conjunction. He was pointing back to this. Now he's moving forward. Take us back to verse 12. Are you guys with me? Yes, good. Verse 12 says, so then, my dear friends, listen, there's so much goodness in this. I swear I could preach on this one verse for 30 minutes. You want to see if I can? Someone's like, I don't know, man. I've got a lunch appointment today. It's supposed to warm up, but I can give you a little bit. 
He says, so then, my dear friends. Notice he's fixing to give them a great command, just as you have always obeyed, not, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Just leave it there for a moment. He gives this incredible command, but something I want you to pay attention to first is, he says, so then, my dear friends. Did you know the way you speak to people will often determine the outcome you get from them? He's writing to this church, and he says, some translations say, my beloved. Sometimes when you speak to people, you just need to be a little bit more kind. You need to speak words of encouragement to them. Some marriages would do a lot of good if you'd stop being so freaking hateful all the time. Honestly. And you just spoke a little love. He says, my dear friends, Paul loved them. I'm wondering this morning, See, we're funny people because God, listen, when you see the story of Adam and Eve in the, new, uh, excuse me, uh, in the beginning in the Old Testament, not only is that a symbolic picture of marriage, but it's a picture of community. It's like we need each other. When you read Acts chapter two, the, the New Testament church, the first church, it says all these things about they gathered and they studied and they listened to the word of God and they shared things. But everything in common says they, 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 they. They were in it together And I wonder what would happen. Listen, I want to talk to you like there's five people in here, okay? Like there's five people, really intimate and very seriously. What would happen if this group of people, if we all got serious and became one family about multiplying and starting more churches and reaching our community and making a difference in our homes and in our school system, what would happen? Could you imagine if there was never really a stranger in here other than the guests that came? And I love, we've had several guests who have come in here and said, man, I've I've not met I'm not met as strangers, what they said. What if we became truly like one church family? He says, so my dear friends, you know the way you speak to people will determine the outcome you get from them. And let me just say this. If the way you speak about me is different than how you speak to me, most likely I will not believe you. If I, isn't it funny how things get back to you? You know what I'm talking about? Someone says a little something. Somehow it makes its way back to you. What I'm saying is, if the way you talk about me is different than how you talk to me, I'll give you the people's elbow. (laughs) He says, so my dear friends, now listen. He says, just as you have always obeyed, did you know it's possible for a church to always be obedient? Now I'm not saying perfect or sinless, But we can, for the glory of God, focus on one goal, make decisions that push us forward towards him. Listen, he says, you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, because remember, he was a church planner. He went there and started the church. He says, but now even more in my absence. Did you, let me tell you something. The true measure of any preacher, the effectiveness of any, this is the measure, measurement I use to see my effectiveness is not how many hands I can get raised today, not how many hallelujahs I can get or how many amens. But why don't you call me in two weeks and say, hey, pastor, remember when we were doing that series called End of Me? Man, you said something. God's just been speaking that to me for like two weeks. In my absence, are you receiving God's word? And listen, I'm not telling you not to do this because I'm a word of affirmations guy and I love pats on the back. You should, if you hear a word from God, whether it be from me or somebody else, you should 
hey, thank you. Thank, I mean, God spoke to me. Leslie Allen's not in here. She's back in City Kids, but we had a meeting a couple nights ago. She serves in City Kids, and she was like, I just wanted to say thank you because she said, I heard God speaking through you in that message, and, and God began to speak to me like this. And I love that because it wasn't Sunday at 1145. It was several days later. The true measurement of any effective preacher is not what happens on Sunday. It's what happens on Thursday or two months down the road. My parents, you know, you can be a good parent while the kids are there, but what happens when they leave? Not saying that's all on you, because some kids are, most kids are crazy. I was raised a lot better than how I went for several years, but you know what I'm saying. Not only in my presence, but in my absence. Now listen, this is really, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I think this is very interesting here because we see that, we know that salvation is a gift. It's by grace, right? So what does Paul say here when he's saying work it out? First off, we need to be very clear and understand that he's not saying work for, not work towards, not work at. He's saying work out. I've been married uh, to my wife, Ariel. She's back in City Kids this morning. We've been together this August. We've been 13 years. Um, in October, we'll celebrate an anniversary. We've been married a little bit. Yeah, that's, yeah, we're, yeah. been together a little less, and, um, or married a little less, and in October we'll celebrate an anniversary, but I want you to imagine this. Suppose I never help her around the house. We have two kids. Can I get an amen for always destroyed? <laughs> Suppose I never financially helped. Suppose I never told her she looked pretty. Suppose I never, her love language is quality time, so suppose I never cuddled with her or just sit on the couch and we talked about life. Suppose we never went on dates. Suppose I never told her I loved her. Let me tell you what would happen if, that, if I did that. I wouldn't be working out my salvation in fear and trembling. I'd be running at the house in fear and trembling. <laughs> True story. I love it. She's like five foot one, but man, when she gets mad, she sounds like a six foot grown man coming to the house. Nothing scarier than hear a door come open when we've been fighting. Sounds about, she's 6'4", 250. She's really about this tall. I love it because we're, you know, Errol and I, we're both like, these, we're just small people. We're short, but we, I heard a preacher say this one time and I agree. People are like, well, you know, you guys are, and our son, he's really short. They're like, man, you guys are both small. And I said, yeah, but we're wound up really, really tight. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're just wound up so tight. God didn't need us to be tall. But suppose I did that. I never did anything for her, never said anything nice to her, never showed her love, except I did it one day a week on Sunday mornings. How effective do you think my marriage would be? I can see it, some of you get it. So when Paul says work out your salvation, there again, he's not saying work for, work at, work towards. He's saying work out what God has put in you. Work out, and here's what's interesting as I begin to study this a little bit. There was something interesting about this because uh, when Paul is saying, basically, I also want to explain this fear and trembling. Basically, what he means is with awe and respect of God. But when Paul says your own salvation, that word your there, I'm educating you this morning. I've studied. It's called a reflexive plural pronoun. And what it means is basically when he says, work out your own salvation, it could be read like this, work it out amongst yourself in the church. 
See, it makes, it makes sense then if we're, remember he said, so then, and now he's saying work this out amongst yourselves, but we go back to verses one through four where we consider others more important than ourselves, so we put the interest of other people before ourselves. So when Paul says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, he's mean, well, you gotta do life together. Like you gotta be working it out amongst yourself. You gotta be having spiritual conversations. You gotta be sharing your faith with each other. You need to be serving. You need to be serving. So then I think a legitimate and logical question is then, Pastor, well, what exactly then, what exactly are we to work out? This is verse 13. This is beautiful. It says, for it is God who is working in you. Paul, I love this. He's such a great writer. He says, he uses a play on words. You got to work out because God's working in and it's inevitable that when something's in you, it will come out of you. For it is God who is working in you. Don't miss this right here enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. I, I love this. So Paul says, you got to work out what God is working in you. And so we see then it's only natural that if God is at work in us, that work will come out of us. And I don't want to make you seem like just a bystander in this whole process, but it says it's God who's working in you. It's God who gives you the desire to do the work. It's God who gives you the grace to be saved. Don't you see that life is so much more about him than it is you? Like this is what's crazy is so many of you in here, and I know your stories and there's some I don't know, like you're trying to earn it. You're trying to earn it. If I pray more, if I read more scripture, don't you get it? It's already been given. Don't you get it? It's not even you, it's him. He gives the grace, he gives the desire. You're just a recipient. Now listen, when you work in cooperation is when you begin to walk in the fullness of what he wants. But I've come to tell somebody this morning, it's not about your behavior, it's about a savior who's already done it for you. Like your debt, your debt is paid, what do you need? You need healing? Either the cross was enough or it's not. You need some restoration for some mistakes you've been making in life. It's already there. You've got this secret sin walking around in your heart and you know it and you think nobody else knows it, but he knows it and you don't know how you're gonna get over it. It's already done. You gotta claim it. Amen, anybody. You gotta speak it. It's God who's at work in you. He enables you to have that desire. My wife said this the other day, and I was like, man, you better not ever say that in public because they'll hire you as the pastor and not me because it was so good. The scripture in the Psalm, it says where God will give us the desires of our hearts. This is so beautiful. She said, she made some posts on Facebook about something. She said, God will give us the desire of our hearts because it's God who gives us the desires of our hearts. That's good, right? I told her, I said, don't be posting stuff like that, man. <laughs> don't do that to me. But I love it. What we see then is the sovereignty, uh, the majesty of our Savior who, it's really, you're just a recipient, but when you cooperate with him and you work that salvation out, what he's put in you, then you experience the fullness of what he wants for you to do. It's amazing that when we cooperate with what God does, we can then live in fullness together. See, like I have this dream for this church and I don't know if y'all have heard about it, but we're having a night of vision on May 22nd and you need to be there. 
You need to be there. Because I believe that we are starting to see that we are working some things out that God is doing in us. And again, this is working out our salvation in the context of the local church. And so basically then I think we can ask this. So what does it look like? What does it mean if we work out our, our salvation? And I think the simple answer of like proof is this, is that working out what God has put in you is evidence that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Go back to my wife and the marriage analogy with Ariel. Like I can wear a ring. You can have been baptized. Uh, I can wear a ring. You can come to church. But if I don't work out the love that God has put in me for her, then is it love at all? Now, if you say that you're a Christ follower and you're not working out your salvation, And people use the craziest excuses too, and I'm gonna to get to those in a little bit. I'm gonna step all up on your toes if I can. Here's what I want you to know though. It's really important that we understand that God wants us to work these things out. We could say, good works do not save us. They do not save us, but we were created for them. Right, there's nothing you could do today to earn his love because he's already given it. But you were created for them. You should be doing them. You should be. Let me tell you what I think good works looks like in the local context of a church, particularly this church. Three T's. I think it's your time, I think it's your talent, and I think it's your treasures. It's time, talent, treasures. Time is we have volunteers who come in here in the morning, they help set up, they help do stuff. You know, our band, they practice on Saturday nights. You've got to be given some time. You just should. You really should, especially if you love the church. If not, I understand why you wouldn't want to. But if you love the church, you need to be given some time. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, God has gifted every single person with a gift, so that's where your talent comes in. If you can play drums, you should be playing drums. If you're friendly and you can smile and you have the knowledge to open a door, you should be opening doors for people and smiling. You just really should. If you're like, hey, man, I'm not really good at all that stuff, but I got a little bit of muscle. Well, could you come help the people carry a couple speakers in the morning? Honestly, what could you do? What could you do to make a difference? See, this is what, man, I'm so fired up. I don't know if you guys have heard, but on May 22nd, we're doing that again. You need to be there. What would happen if this, this group of people right here, what if I'm sorry, I think it can happen. And I think it's happening in pockets, but what if we all got focused on one goal and we said, you know what, God, not only we're we gonna, I'm gonna share something with you that's absolutely crazy in just a second. Remind me, if you can. What would happen if we all got focused on this one goal and we're like, hey, you know what, Pastor? I don't really know a lot about the Bible, but man, I, I can smile and, and I can help people park or I can help carry stuff or I can sit with the babies for a little bit. I can go sit in the nursery so mom can sit in a service distraction-free. Any moms know what I'm talking about. It's a blessing to not have the little monkeys hanging off of you. It's true. So we're not asking you to feel, fulfill just an assignment. I'm saying will you join us in mission to multiply. You should know this. From day one, I believe that God could do something bigger than what we see now. I think he's doing it. 
And so though we don't do the good works to earn salvation, because of salvation, we do the good works. Amen? Let me tell you something that's absolutely ridiculous. And I was going to say this till May 22nd on the night of vision, but I'll tell you now. I'm going to plug it shamelessly every time I can, so just get, get used to it. We started doing some research of how far people come to drive to city lots. Blows my mind. Because see, when, you, when God began to put this dream in my heart a couple years ago, the church had no name, no bank account, like there was no money, we didn't have all the stuff, there was no people. You can't even imagine, you know, that people would be coming from different counties. But this is what we saw. So we have um, people that live in Severable that come here. So if you're like, hey, you live 10 minutes down the road, and you're like, oh, I'm a little sleepy this morning, I don't think I'm going to go to church, you ain't got no excuse, buddy. That joker lives a long way out there. And these are people that actively attend, okay? I'm not talking about people that just kind of pass through on their way to vacation. They actively attend here. Ashley, right here in the front row. We have people that live in Onada. Onada. That's way up yonder. Okay? This is what blew my mind, though. I don't think there's anybody farther north than that, Onada, but we've got this, this group of people that have been coming from Sweetwater. And so then what we did was this. We took the measurement of, like, the two farthest commutes, that's Sweetwater and Onada, and then we did the distance between those two. So from Oneida to Sweetwater, 100 miles. Is that crazy? Yeah, somebody should. And so like you come in this morning and I'm like wondering what will you receive? There's 100 miles between the two people. That's ridiculous. And what it tells me is, is we've got to start more churches in different places. We've got to do it. We've got to multiply. And I've always believed from day one that God could do something that this city has never seen. I believe it in my heart. But, but, it'll never happen if we don't get focused together. And I'm going to say something that's really bold right now. This is crazy. I'm a little nervous to even say it. But like, if you don't think that can happen, you shouldn't come here. You just shouldn't. And I mean that with all my heart. I love you, want you here. But like if you don't believe that we serve a God that's big enough to flip this city and flip your lives for the glory of God, with all due respect, please go somewhere else and take up a seat. Maybe you're just saying that because you're fired up. No, I really mean it. That's where I'm at because let me give you a little glimpse into my heart. I'm not interested in maintaining the status quo of a church. See, I've known pastors that what they do is they become basically pushovers because they try to please every single person in their church. And I want to say this, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I really do. We will never, ever accommodate the few, forsake the chance of reaching the many. It's just not going to happen. It's not. You can call me and you can complain. And you can try to twist my arm. But there's about four people who I allow to influence me, and most likely it's not you. So you can always have access to me. You can email me, you can call me, you can catch me after church. But you will not change my mind on what I feel like God's calling us to do. It's not going to happen. 
And if you're not interested in getting in the trenches with people, if you're not interested in multiplying and seeing something of biblical proportion, we're not the church for you. We're not. And I can say that pretty confidently because I know what God's calling us to do. And I think those of us, there's a, there's a group of people in here who have been with us basically from day one. You guys are basically right after. There's tons of people who have been in here. And I feel like we've got this great group of people and we're just trying the best we can, but we're fixing to ramp it up a little bit. And so like, if you want to come and be comfortable and complacent, we're, honestly, we're probably not the church for you. If you don't want to be stretched, if you don't want to learn the word of God, if you don't want it proclaimed over your life, Our works won't save us, but I feel like God created us for a particular purpose. For us here, it's your time, it's your talents, and your treasures. And again, we've already taken up the offering, so we're not doing another one, all right? But you should be giving. You just should. Not because we need you to, but because God says, if you'll test, that's the only time in Scripture it says, test me and see if I won't pour out the floodgates on you. Like, you should be supporting the church. Let me tell you something. People tell me they love the church and they love this and they love that. Let me see your bank account. Not literally, I don't want to see it. We don't do that here, but then I'll tell you what's important to you. It's just the truth. So when, I, when, we, when we take up an offering, we always try to, I talked with Derek, we use words like we're going to re- receive this. We're not taking it, we want to receive it. We're receiving what you're giving God through his bride, Amen. And the reality is this, that the more obedient you are, the more ministry we do. On May, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But seriously, (laughs) that night, we are going to tell you how every single dollar spent here, every single, like, so if you give a dollar, we're going to tell you where, where, exactly where a dollar goes. We're going to tell you uh, where, is it, where's is it the first quarter of 2015? First quarter? First quarter of 2016, but we're comparing it to last year. Yeah. Thanks, Heather. We're going to tell you uh, how every dollar was spent uh, through, um, like, ministry-wise uh, for the first quarter. So we're telling you, like, where every single penny of your money goes. We're talking about projection growth. You need to be there. You need to be there on, on what we're talking about. So we believe here then, if our, we're created for good works, that here for us that looks like time, your talents, your treasures. Now listen to this next verse as we kind of get ready to go. Verse 14, this is so interesting that Paul would have to say such a statement to church people. Doesn't even make sense why he would say something like this. Right? Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Listen you will never fully appreciate what you are not fully invested into. If you're not fully invested, you will not fully appreciate. I love it. Do everything without grumbling. Listen, that means everything. That means picking up the speaker. That means coming to a night of vision. Verse 15. It says, listen, so do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Oh, so you mean my obedience to the local church actually affects my relationship with you. 
Children of God, listen, who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. And so I've got a question for you this morning. Do you bring compliments to your church or do you bring conflict? Do you cast shadows over your church or do you shine like stars? Such strong, powerful words from the Apostle Paul. Are you complimenting your church or are you bringing conflict? Do you cast shadows or do you shine like a star? Paul tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now basically, he's saying that we do that in the context of a local church. Every time we go to the grocery store, me and my wife and kids, which I try not to go as least as possible, honestly. Just try not to. But when I do, I've got a little four-year-old daughter named Harper, and she's not tall, but she's wound up tight like I am. And she always wants to push the cart. And parents, they have little kids. Like, it's so frustrating because imagine we've got like milk and groceries and Oreos and birthday ice cream is my favorite, man. But we've got, you know, our wheat bread and all this milk and, you know, chips and sandwich meat and all this, you know, imagine it's just packed out. And Harper's like, I want to push daddy, I want to push daddy. So what she does then is she comes and she puts her hand on it. If you're with me, say it's working. She comes up here and she puts her hand on it. And she's, you know, she, she can barely even see over everything in it, right? And by that point, it's so heavy. It's so heavy. She can barely even turn it. We're going around corners. And, and really what I have to do is this, is I have to walk like this you know, on the outside of her basically. So I do one of these right here, you know, try not to step on her heels. And we'll make, we'll make these turns and everybody around that sees it. And see, everybody around knows what's really happening. But what's beautiful, what's beautiful is my little girl. She thinks she's pushing that car. She'll make those turns. She's like, it's so heavy, Daddy. And I'm like, I know. But what she doesn't know, if I took my hands off of it, she couldn't push it at all. See, I've come to tell you this morning that a lot of times when it comes to working out our salvation with fear and trembling, we feel like we can't push the cart in the church because we've got so much going on. And just like Harper, me, the father, I've always got my arms helping her push the cart. And I've come to tell you this morning that you could do a little bit more for the church if you would just accept a little bit of the strength from the father. If you just keep pushing the cart when it's heavy, and here's what happens. Your cart may not be filled with groceries, but a lot of times you fill your cart, you won't work out your salvation at church because of this right here, apathy. That's a fancy word for you're lazy. You just won't get up on Sunday mornings. I hope y'all still love me after this message because I love you. But it's the truth. Your, your faith has grown apathetic. So you, you throw a little apathy in your cart and it becomes a little bit heavier. Like, I'm still want to come. I'm excited. I love to see that's church. It's my church. And then there's others of you, like you really love the church. Like you would say, man, God has changed my life through you, Pastor Peyton, in this ministry, but I just, I just don't know that I can 
I don't know that I can push because listen, I've been, I've been divorced and I've got all these problems going on. I struggle with addiction and, and there's, nobody knows it and I hide it. And, but God knows and I just I doubt that he could use me. I mean, I'm just so insecure. And then there's others of you. You want to like work out your salvation. You know it and you're serving and you love this place and, and maybe you can't come very frequently, but you feel like you can't push the cart because you're greedy and you won't give. And you think we don't love you or don't like you or God's mad at you, but that's not it. So you won't push the cart a little bit. You won't come work it out because you feel so messed up about your money and you're so strapped that you can't give even if you wanted to. And so you throw that into your cart. And then there's others of you, you, you've got these problems going on in your life and you feel like it's a, a terrible thing to be in the church and to have been through this. And so what you say then is your sin is bigger than the God who saved it from you. So you don't want to serve because you feel like you're tainted. And then for most of us, it's this. This is what gets in the way of our marriages, of serving. And then you throw that into your cart and by the time you come, you can't even push it. You can't even push it. You barely get up in the morning. You'll talk yourself out of it. And I've come to tell you this morning, it may not feel like it, but the Father has His arms around. And if you'll just keep pushing the cart, you will get to where He wants you to go. Can I get an amen from anybody? Would you stand with us this morning? God wants to take you from glory to glory, and I've come to challenge you this morning. Just keep pushing the cart. Look at your neighbor and say, just keep pushing. Look at your neighbor and say, just keep pushing. If they're pregnant, don't say that to them. <laughs> hey, if you believe God celebrated this morning with a word, let's, let's celebrate that together. Thanks for choosing to connect with City Lights through our podcast. We are so encouraged by all that God is doing in this ministry. And if you have been blessed through our ministry, please send us your story to mystory@citylightsac.org to share it with us. Also, if you would like to financially partner with us, please visit us on the web at citylightsac.org and click the giving tab. Thanks again for choosing to connect with us.